Welcome to CrossFit Malulabar's Community Fitness Mindset, where we discuss how to get the most out of your training and improving your way of life. Welcome back to CrossFit Malulabar's Community Fitness Mindset. Today I've got Dr. Peter Mason, most people know him as Pete, from CNS Malulabar. So it's a chiropractic place where I've been going for, what, eight years, nine years now? Probably nine years? Yeah, we well, I don't know. We started it in 2013. So, yeah, it would have been sometime in 2013. Excellent. And, um, yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, injuries, how to manage them, how to recognize them, when you should go get help, things like that. So, first of all, though, Pete, just fill us in a little bit about you practice sports chiropractic. Yep. And well, I've been seeing you for a long time now. So yep. over those years, I've seen the the practice sort of develop and new skills and new tools and things come on. So tell us a little bit about what sports chiropractic is and like how you treat a little bit. Okay. Well, seeing this started, I suppose, yeah, in 2013, mm-hmm. always based on a sports chiropractic model, which is a modality of chiropractic where the Therapists have had extra training in and around musculoskeletal injuries as sports. So it's a multimodal or multidisciplinary sort of care plan. So there will be always some sort of structural, usually when it's appropriate, structural adjustment, whether it's manipulation, adjustment, whatever term you want to use. There will be um, exercise-based prescription, so something to reload the tissues to in order for them to get better. Yep. There'll be um, some tissue work or multi multimodals of treatment. So hands-on, there'll be some tissue work, there'll be some structural work, there'll be some exercise or lifestyle modification advice to in order to resolve the issue. Yep. 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 Excellent. So it differs from the traditional chiropractic model where there was usually just the reset, just the adjustment. Yep. Yep. Um, minimal of everything else. So we try yep. to incorporate all things, the best of everything, and, and incorporate it under one care plan. Yeah. So it started off as a chiropractic clinic, and then it sort of evolved into a multimodal clinic where we've got physiotherapists, massage therapists, mm-hmm. uh, nutritionists, exercise physiologists, yep. sports chiros. Yep. Yep. And um, so a typical session when I would come in and see you, there'd be some adjustment going on, right? There'd also be some soft tissue work going on. There'd be some soft tissue work. Um, There'd be some assessments on how joints are functioning and moving. Yep. Right? And then a whole heap of getting me to do exercises and things, right, to get things moving correctly. What's the technical term for that? Oh, exercise prescription, I suppose. Um, Things that are usually too boring or too mundane for people to do their own time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're trying to work usually when they're in with us we're trying to work on the smaller muscle groups um, to take the load off those bigger ones yeah because something pretty severe usually happens for the big muscle groups to yeah stop working yeah 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 so, so it's usually the smaller muscle groups stop working whether that for whatever reason we'll go into later that overloads the larger muscle groups and yep. causes all the chronic issues all right let's get into our first uh, question. I feel like this one could be a labyrinth, could go anywhere. What are the origins of injuries? So this is a it's a big question, but pretty much they can be put into two categories. 
you've got your traumatic injuries where you've crashed your car, you've fallen down some stairs, you've fallen off your bike, or there's been trauma involved and there's been an injury associated with that trauma. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then you have your non-traumatic injuries, which are the more, arguably the more common in our clinic, in our practice, where something's just crept up on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You, might, you haven't done anything specific to cause it. You might have an idea of what you what you've did. Yep. But there was no sudden moment where boom, all right, I snapped my ACL then. Yes. Yeah. So in these like non-traumatic injuries, what are some common causes of them? So overtraining would be yep. Overtraining, right? overuse, overuse. Yep. yep. Overuse. Um, so to elaborate on that, like that's could be from doing a bad movement pattern. Could be doing from a bad movement pattern over and over again. Over and over again. Could be from gardening if you're never used to yep. get not yep. used to gardening. Could be. Could it also be like I might be moving correctly. I might be doing overhead presses correctly, but I've just done too many of them. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So it could be a capacity issue. Yeah, you've done, you've overused beyond what you're able to do. Yeah, yeah whether it be a, a tissue, whatever the underlying factor is. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've just used it too much. Yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes it's not necessarily a bad technique is is you know just done too much for what you're ready for yep and maybe not a an appropriate ramping up of into intense exercise or something like that yep it's another reason usually those non-traumatic those yeah non those progressive injuries Mm -hmm. like your bursitis your impingements your over your rsi issues there's usually been trauma that was pretty minor Mm-hmm. That's led to things not moving properly, and then mm-hmm. they've been overused or overloaded. There's mechanical irritation where the joints or the structure is not moving properly with the uh, well enough to then overload the tissues or be able to go beyond what flexibility or range of motion that they have. Yeah, and then overload the tissues or irritate the tissues or overuse. Yeah, yep. they've gone beyond their capacity. Yes. So trauma that was pretty minor that altered. The, the flexibility or the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Mechanical issues as far as joint structure, skeleton, yep. that limits range of motion, yep. overloads. Yeah. Or capacity issues where they've just gone beyond their capacity. So as far as like joint structures and like that sort of thing, like mobility wise, reasons for that could be years of lifestyle. Being, lifestyle, right? Yep. So years of I haven't put my hands over my head to full extension for twenty years and now I Doing it under range of motion, right? 100%. Yep. Um, So I'm limited there. Therefore, there's going to have to be a period of adjustment while I regain that lost capacity, right? But then some of it could be just biological, correct? Correct. Yep. We can have differences in our cells left to right, let alone differences between you and me or between the different population. Yep. Just in the way joints are formed, uh, the way the hips are formed, the way the shoulders are formed, Mm -hmm. or the shape of the collarbone. Yep. All of those structures can yep. lead to just differences in people mm-hmm. about how often we should do certain movements. Yeah, yeah. So some people might have a, a shoulder joint that's just structured in a way where just overhead work is not going to really, be hard for them. Yeah, it's going to be hard, or yep. or it's it's not really realistic or something like that. Yep, they could have a spinal yep. issue that yeah, like a, a scoliosis, uh, scoliosis or yeah. an excessive kyphosis that limits that end range overhead movement. So yeah, yeah. And and that's hard tissue or hard structure, right? Like yep. that's bone. Can't you can't? No stretching is going to change that bone shape. No, no, hundred percent. Yeah, short, short of getting a surgeon going in there and and chopping things out. Chopping right? things out. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Especially with the shoulder and the hip. 
yep, if it's just the way the hips formed and it's just the way that the, all the limb lengths are, that's just the way they are. Yeah. That could oh, yeah. also be a congenital factor like joint morphology. It could also be a capacity issue as far as whether it's strength endurance, like how often someone can do a good movement pattern. Oh, yeah. Yep. Or yep. it could also be a, like a, a absolute strength or a max a yeah. strength that just they can't handle the load for too long. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or yep. it could be a flexibility yeah, issue. Yeah, so it could be like, yeah, there's like a fitness component in that yep. too, right? So someone might move really well, but then they get into a 20-minute workout, then that cardiovascular endurance drops off at the 10-minute mark. And they can't keep that... Yep. That movement pattern going. Yeah, yeah. And they compensate and then they overload tissues. Yep, yep. And that last 10 minutes is where they, they injure themselves, hurt themselves. Yep. Right? And it's not necessarily a movement issue, it's a fitness issue. Fitness issue, yep. yeah. Yeah, So there's there's going to be, for them, a rehab stage for the tissue, but then also a stage where it's like, okay, well, we need to increase that fitness capacity yep. as well. All right? Could be a strength capacity issue. Yep. So they might be fit enough, but they not, might not be able to handle the load. Yeah, can't brace. Can't brace. Yeah. So then they um, then they break down that way. So let's say like someone does get an injury. Let's start with like um, a non-traumatic injury, right? So obviously traumatic injuries can be like, especially if someone's arm is pointing in the wrong direction, right? Like it's, it's, it's pretty yeah, obvious. Yeah. It's pretty obvious there's an injury there. Yep. Um, but uh, someone's got a non-traumatic injury, so my shoulder started hurting and I've come to see you about it. How do you guys go about diagnosing those injuries? And yeah, just tell me some of the difficulties associated with getting that accurate diagnosis and treatment and that sort of thing. It can be quite complex, but you're, you're trying to marry up a whole bunch of different information. You're trying to match up the mechanism of injury if it can be determined. If they don't have a mechanism of injury, you're trying to work out what they do most of the time. Yeah. Yep. That could have caused it. Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure out if it's a ligament issue, yeah? Is it a non-contractile tissue or is it a contractile tissue like muscle or tendon? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it um, an impingement? Is it an inflammation response? Yep. So you're, uh, A, you've got a question, like a, it's like a fact-finding mission. Yeah. Yep. You're asking a whole bunch of questions that are giving you clues into, all right, is it a, a tendon issue? Yep. Is it a bisitis? Yep. Is it a um, ligament issue? And then around how they did it, the pain pattern, what type of pain it is. Yep. And then from there, you'll go into an assessment. Mm -hmm. So where you'll stress the muscles, see if it's a muscle issue. You'll stress the ligaments, you'll see if it's a ligamentous issue. You'll move the joint both passively and actively. Mm -hmm. You'll quite often do some motor control testing as well to figure out if it was caused by a weakness. Yep. Or was it caused by a flexibility issue? Once you have all that information, you can then give them some information about what they should or shouldn't do. That's going to help them the best that's going to help them with their recovery, depending on the body part. But sometimes it is very difficult as far as to identify the exact specific, say, muscle that's in Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But you know the movement pattern. You know the functional diagnosis. It's going yes. to hurt when you do this. So you kind of – it's kind of uh, like those orthopedic tests are more – of a ballpark test rather than a pinpoint precision yeah, test, right? So we can test, okay, external rotation of the shoulder joint yep. is an issue. Yep. Therefore, it's indicated that there's a problem with this group of muscles. Yep. And you can dial it down a little bit. Yep. Yep. With um, 
certain positions of the arm and that yep. sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but with the shoulder, for example, it's so complex. You're always going to get a bit of overlap yep. between yeah, different yep, muscle muscles, activity. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and I assume too with what we mentioned before, like the differences in people's structure that not every shoulder joints moves the exact same way. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, but does it really matter if we know that external rotation is the issue? If we don't quite know if it's this muscle or that muscle, does it really matter too much? Can we just, is part of the treatment plan about sort of repairing that range of motion and that functionality in that direction? Is that correct? Yeah, 100%. There's been a, it's a shift lately. It's now leading to more of a functional diagnosis as opposed to a certain specific where you have to get an ultrasound test to know exactly what muscle yes. is being, yes. being um, injured. Yep. Like if the information is so cloudy that you can't exactly name the specific forearm tendon that's causing elbow pain or mm-hmm. the exact shoulder tendon that's causing shoulder yep. pain, you can at least dial it down to a functional diagnosis about what movements or ranges are going to set it off. Yeah, and I suppose in that too, like uh, I remember talking to you about this uh, once before about certain tendons and things in forearms and it's like, you know, there's a certain percentage of people have this tendon and then a certain percentage of people don't have that tendon, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, there's there's those sorts of things all over the body, right? Like some people have this muscle and some people don't. Mm-hmm. That's just human nature, right? That's just the the difference within the genetic pool of human beings. No, we yeah. definitely have like 99% of us have the same muscle. Like we'll have 99% of the, the muscles will be the same and there just yep. might be the small odd yep. one that we're yep. phasing out yeah, as yeah. far as we as far as evolution goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's little differences, right? Yep. Yeah. Like and I've experienced this where I've come and seen you and I've got an injury and it presents a certain way and we we work at it for a while and it doesn't really get better. And then we go for some other tests and we find out that it, there's something else going on or something yep. like that, right? It's an underlying people, issue. Yeah. And people would say why didn't I just get the test in the first place? Why didn't you just send me for an X-ray? Why didn't you just send me for an ultrasound straight up? Hundred percent. Well, there's a it's multifactorial in the answer. You always have to address the pain first. Yes. Yep. So if there's something underlying that's causing that pain, you still have to address the pain. So we'll address the pain. Say the shoulders, you've got a bursitis in the shoulder. Yep. Yep. You've got to address the pain, but the bursitis is secondary to something. Yep. Whether it's a rotator cuff injury, whether it's a joint degeneration, yes, or, but yep. something is is yep. causing that. So, and there's an old saying: you see hoof prints, you think horses, not zebras. Yes. So you treat the most common thing first, and if you're not getting anywhere, this is where it comes back to the therapist, I suppose, at that initial appointment, as far as some open communication. Yeah, you treat the the likely, the most common thing first, and if you're not getting anything, no results within a few weeks, you got to go back to the drawing board. There's also a resource component. So if every therapist, chiro, physio, osteo, GP was sending for an ultrasound or an X-ray for every injury, then that would overload the system. Yes. Yep. And there's a cost element. There's yep. a health element. Every X-ray, you're exposed to radiation. We see things like that happening. Like I know within the medical industry, there's a review on vitamin D testing. Yep. Because not necessarily doctors are sending everyone off for vitamin D testing, but patients are coming in and asking for vitamin D tests, right? And it's starting to become expensive on the government, the system, and they're struggling to keep up with it and struggling to make their demands on the basic medical needs that they need to keep up with, right? So same thing for you guys, ultrasounds or x-rays. They're all a privilege. And we have to justify each time we go for something. So 
there has to be a justification or a criteria that's met. And if we abuse that, then it's going to get taken away. Yes. Yeah. So that privilege of being able to refer for those tests will get yep. taken away. Yeah. And I suppose, too, you need to warrant that escalation of testing, yep. right, because there's, there's also a cost to the, the patient, patient yep. right, and the healthcare system. So for some of those, you can refer someone to it, but the government doesn't pick up the tab for it. They have to yep. pay depending for it on the themselves. Test. Yep, yeah, depending, yeah, depending on, the on the test. They have to yep. pay for it out of their own pocket. But then there's also, say, things like an X-ray, there's an inherent risk there, right? Yep. So there's like some radiation risk. So if you just sent everyone, everyone off for an X-ray every time they came and saw you, like you're increasing their likelihood of uh, cancer, you know. Health problems, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, it, like everyone's, like one X-ray is not necessarily going to cause anything, but there's a, yeah, there's a health consideration there yep. as well. Yep. yep. Also people with the stages of their lives. You can't X-ray anyone that's pregnant, for example. Yes. Like nine times out of ten, even yep. more than that, it's more than likely the issue yeah. at yeah. the start. Yeah, like, there's just those rare examples. Those rare examples where yep. you've gotten a test and you've found an underlying issue. Yeah. And it's just it's one of those things. So when, when someone is going for some treatment, things aren't getting better, there's, I guess, two ways people go about it. They just stop seeing them. Yep. And see someone else. Yep, see someone else. Uh, I guess a better way is to go and have a discussion yeah. You know, about, okay, it's not getting better. It's not getting better. Yeah. And if the if the patient has been doing everything right, they've been following the advice, they've been avoiding exercises, they're likely to piss it off, according to the therapist, something's been missed. Yep. Yep. If you're not seeing any change mm-hmm. within a set time frame, yeah, whether that be four, whether it be six, it depends on the injury, something's missed. You need to go back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. If trust in that practitioner or the therapist you original, originally saw, you go back to them and you say, look, it's... It's not getting better. Something's, yep. something's wrong. We've missed something. 100%. And we'll, we'll say that all the time. We'll say, look, if we're not getting anywhere within a set time frame, mm-hmm. we've missed something. We need to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Now, whether that is a test, a referral for a, a more specific advanced imaging test, whether it's a different modality of treatment, whether it be yeah, something that a service that we don't offer, we yes. refer out. Yep. Yep. So whatever it is, you try and find a solution for the patient. I guess... One thing I really want to get across to people because I get this and I am not a medical professional. I have no formal training whatsoever or like a, what is it, allied health? Is that what yep, you guys are called? Right? Yep. Allied health, banner. right? I have no training whatsoever. I've never been to university or anything like that. And I'll have people ask me about their injuries. So for you guys, when someone comes in and you guys have got years of experience plus your you know, degree behind you, you still are only getting like a ballpark sort of idea of what's going on and a treatment plan and to arrive at that's going to take your time in that initial session, right? Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of testing and things you guys need to do to get an idea of what's going on, correct? Yes. So yeah. we might have a, depending on the situation or mechanism, as I yeah. said earlier, of, of how it's happened, you'll arrive based on your knowledge, your, your experience yep. and your, your yep. education, you will have an idea of what's going on. And then all your questions and testing and that should be pointing you either to, to confirm that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and rule out anything more serious. Yeah, so you'll do you'll do some neurological tests. Do some and, neurological tests, yeah. make sure there's no nerve involvement, yeah. um, sensation tests, all that sort of stuff, yes. motor control testing. So it's all about A, figuring out what's happened and then B, figuring out why it's happened. Because especially with non-traumatic injuries it's always there's always the injury is usually secondary to something either as we discussed earlier whether it's a load issue mm-hmm. yeah whether it's a fitness issue whether it's a mechanical issue it's always secondary yeah 
Yeah, so the A, you gotta treat the pain, and then you can figure out why it's happened. Are they not fit enough? Are they not strong enough? Do they have a poor movement pattern? Is it a motor control issue? Yes. Flexibility issue, yep. et cetera. So you're trying to figure out what's happened and then be figuring out why it's happened. I guess people expect to just walk in and have it diagnosed and fixed in that session, right? And I guess if people expect me to be able to assess and treat an injury when I've got no qualification, they expect a lot more of you guys, right? It's kind of like an unrealistic expectation. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Especially if you've been seeing someone on and off for a while and they've come in with a new presentation. Mm -hmm. You really need time yep. to be able to dive into the nuts and bolts of yep. what's happened. Yeah. And sometimes the appointment's just not long enough. You might need to do it over a couple of sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So you need you just need that patience. It also comes back to the, the therapist as well to book more time if they need more time. Yep. If they know that there's a new injury, mm -hmm. just to book more time so you can get to the nuts and bolts of it. Just by your knowledge of the gym and common injuries, you might be pretty on the money. But it's important for, I suppose, to rule out anything more sinister. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess for me, someone might say, oh, my shoulder hurts when I do this way. And I'm like, well, that sounds like, well, my hip hurts is a common one, right? It's classic, sounds like a classic hip impingement. Yep. And then I'll I'll do, okay, let's like really brace hard in the core and get that sort of back to like a neutral pelvis position and let's fire up, you know, the, the um, external rotation of your legs. So use your glutes to push your knees out and let's do another squat. Does it still hurt? And someone's like, no, it doesn't hurt anymore. Okay, cool. Well, it's a, it's a positional issue and cool. We can work through that. It's not an injury, but it's like, doesn't matter what we do. It hurts. And I'm like, I'm, it still presents like hip impingement to me, Yep. but I'm out. I'm, there's nothing more I can do. We've, we've gotten you to a good movement pattern. You're still in pain. You need to go see it. Yep. You need to go see it. You've got to figure out why. You've got to figure out the why. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And perhaps it comes back to that, what we said, it might be this, that structure, right? Some yep. people have hip impingement under in a deep squat. Yep. And because the the femur, the thigh bone sits in that socket, the shape of the socket, just they just run into each other. Yep. It could have be just have a really deep socket. Mm -hmm. Could have a really long femur and a short tibia. Yep. So yeah, there could be lots of different issues that are the predisposing them, then that exercise specifically makes everything yep. angry. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So things I can do is I can work around that. Yep. But then things you can do is dive in. But people just need to understand that it might take a little bit of time yep. for those treatments. Yep. And, and then they just might need to modify how often they do certain things. Yeah. So if someone's got a congenital um, morphology in their in their hip or their shoulder or something that's going to limit the movement, you just got to not visit it so frequently to piss everything off. So what are some warning signs? that people have or some niggles um, when people have like little niggly things that they can train through but they probably shouldn't and it's actually a sign of something more serious. What are some common ones there? So the whole thing where oh, it hurts when I'm cold, when oh, my knee hurts but then once I'm warm, I'm fine. Yep. Yep. That whole yeah, that all the time. Yeah. yeah. As, soon as, you, as soon as I'm warm, I'm good. That's, so that can be dangerous. That's a pretty serious one, right? Yeah, it can because usually it's a it's a tendon issue. Usually it's not 100% time, but and as your tendon warms up, more motor units, more fibers get recruited, and it takes the takes the load off all the the injured ones. Yep. Yep. Now left untreated and continue to aggravate the issue, that's going to get to the point where it hurts all the time. 
-hmm. no matter what you do. And it's a lot harder to fix. Yes. And it's going to take a lot longer to fix once you get to that point. So it's better to, if you're getting significant pain or sharp pain when you're cold, to to sort the issue out and it goes away when you want to sort the issue out sooner rather than later. Yep. Another one is closing angle pain. Yeah. Now, this one's hard to explain without demonstration, but the scenario you used before about hip impingement. Yes. Where as you go down to a squat, you're getting pain at the front of your hip. Yes. This pain, the space at the front of your hip is just getting smaller. Your thigh is getting closer to your chest. Yes. Yeah, the top of your thigh is getting closer yeah, to your chest. It's closing. The angle is the getting angle, small. Yeah, right? Yep. The angle between those two joints, or yep. two levers. Structures are getting yep. smaller. So that's yep. closing angle pain. Yeah. If you're getting pain on closing angle pain, whether it's at the front of your ankle, the top of your shoulder, the hip, wherever it may be, mm-hmm. it's best not to push through that because you're going to cause a reaction that will yep. be a lot harder and yeah. Um, more difficult to resolve long term. Yeah. Yep. And it could be that just the way the joints are formed, it's basically much bone smashing on tissue, smashing on bone. You're just smushing stuff. It's just not good. Yeah. Yep. Um, stuff can only be smushed so much. Yeah. yeah. So it's better to sort that out if it's a mechanical or um, issue that can be resolved and it could go away. If it's something that's more more congenital, yep. then we can yeah, get advice on how to work around the issue. Opening angle pain is not usually a serious. Yep. If it's yep. if it's not a sharp pain. Yep. yep. So it's the back of the joint. Back of the joint. Yep. So you're going down into a lunge or a squat and you're getting pain in the tension yep. in the Achilles. Yeah. It's not as not as drastic. Yeah. Yeah. You can push through it to an extent under the supervision of the right people. Yes. I should say. Yeah. So like I know you know on your CrossFit level one level two they talk about if someone isn't able to hit like that perfect technique but still challenging them to push push in and sort of having that judgment call to challenge them to push into the position anyway under like a like under control not yep. just like let's go Flop 100% yep. hard yep. as you can crash into the bottom of this squat for as fast as you can for 5 minutes no it's like uh, okay well let's let's try and challenge you to get that position because that's how we can claim some of that or reclaim some of that lost you know, function in those those joints, right? Yep. Well, movement and flexibility is consistency and time. Yeah. Yep. So to gain those movements, mm-hmm. it's pretty much you got to do it consistently and you got to do it for a long time. Yep. So, yeah, there's definitely logic and, and reason behind it. Mm-hmm. You've got to make sure it's safe to do so. Yes. If you don't try and touch your toes for 10 years and you try and bend over and touch your toes, you're not going to be able to touch your toes. Yeah. So it's a frequency and consistency issue. So the more often you go somewhere, whether it be a movement or a pattern, the more likely you are to be able to achieve it. It's got to, yeah, it's just got to be the know when you can push through and when you can't push through. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there's some warning signs and things, but when should someone actually seek out a professional for treatment? Like, you know, is it at the outset of these warning signs? Is it to wait till something more serious happens? Or- yeah, like obviously those warning signs. If yeah. those warning signs are there, you've got to seek out some advice so you can work around the issue for it to get better. Yeah. Um, so, so you're saying it's not okay to just accept that your knee hurts? No. <laughs> well, some, yeah. some, some people do, but yeah. yeah. Uh, personally, no, oh, I don't think so. I think yeah, yeah, we are very fortunate that we have access to a lot of information. We have a lot of access to a lot of education and a lot of professionals that can help us live without pain. Yes. Yep. So it feels like we should, regardless if I don't, like if it's 
physio, if it's chiro, if it's acupuncture, if it's yoga, if it, we have we're fortunate enough to have access to a whole lot of different physical medicine modalities yep. that can help us live pain free lives. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to go see someone if no, you're in pain. Don't have to. But you don't have to accept pain as inevitable. No. Like it's not an inevitable part of getting older, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's a, of course, there's, there's an element to it, but there's, there's forms of, you know, arthritis, which, you know, so far, you know, we, medicine hasn't found super effective treatments yeah. for yet, right? Yeah. Musculoskeletal injuries and we can avoid. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We can work around. We yeah. don't have to keep pushing through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So education or knowledge on how to work around an issue, whether yeah. it's knee, uh, knee pain, shoulder pain, whatever, back pain. So figuring out what you've done and then some advice on how to work around the issue. Mm-hmm. Now, it's important for the, the patient that they're seeing a, it has to be, the, or the therapist, I should say, if they're giving advice around what they sh- what people shouldn't or shouldn't do, they need to be familiar with the pattern or the sport. Yeah. So if someone's coming to your advice for a CrossFit, for example, about what shouldn't I do, what can I do at training, yeah, then at least uh, the therapist needs to be familiar with CrossFit and the exercises and movements that are in CrossFit yes. to be able to give that advice. Yeah. And that same thing goes for rugby. That same thing goes for netball. So you've got to be familiar with the sport, familiar enough with the sport to be able to give advice around what you should and shouldn't do. Yeah. As opposed to just all right, sit on the couch or rest for. Yeah. Because there are some quite often load is important part of recovery. Yes. So it's part of that rehab is reloading the tissue reloading and, and the redeveloping tissue. that capacity, right? So, yes, learning or getting gaining knowledge in and around those issues. Yep. It's important to see someone. Yep. If you're having non-resolving pain, so you fell over four weeks ago, mm-hmm. you thought it was just a bit of, bit of bruising, Bruise, bit of yep. yeah, and it's just not going away, good time to see someone. Yep. yep. Closing angle pain, pain that goes away when you're warm, those are both signs that you should – should try and see someone. Sort someone out. Yep. Yep. Also, if you just can't do this every time you do a specific movement, whether it be a deadlift, whether it be a squat, whether it be a, mm-hmm. a chin up, yep. and you get pain, you always get pain when you do a certain movement. Yep. Yep. Best to go sort out why. Mm-hmm. Could be a fixable issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before, like part of the first treatment plans is to deal with the pain. Yep. Right. Why is that so important? Because people move different when they're in pain. Right. You're trying to get out of pain. Yeah. Yeah. So you're always, you, but it's human nature, you are hardwired to reduce pain. That's why we limp. That's why we limp. Yeah. yeah. That's why when we hurt our shoulder, we, we, you tuck it. We right? tuck our arm. Yeah. 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 So we will always move different if we're in pain. So trying to get to why it's happened mm-hmm. for non traumatic injuries is very difficult to determine when people are in pain. And that's the danger, I suppose, in continuing to train or, or lift or whatever when you have, like you might have a bit of a back pain, you know, on your lower right-hand side of your back. Yep. But you continue to lift through it is that you're actually, your body's, without you knowing it, is trying to shift everything. You will move different and more likely to hurt something else. Yeah. That niggly shoulder that you didn't look after might be the reason why your lower back's hurt, why your lower back gets an injury. Yep. Yeah, it could be, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it could be lots of things. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The the could be wrist flexibility leading yep. to shoulder pain. Could yep. be yeah. Could yep. be ankle range of motion leading to hamstring problems. Yeah, lots of different. Yes, yeah. Sometimes I guess getting back to that first question is like, you know, where the origins of injuries come from is like, you know, sometimes a back injury 
even though it's a back injury, is not a back problem. No. It's the back trying to make up for a... A hip problem. Yeah. It's very common, yeah. Yeah. So hips are massive, mobile, strong joint. Yeah. If they stop doing their job, the next in line is knee or hip. Yeah. Knee or lower back. Knee or spine, yeah. Yeah. So something has to work more. Yep. Or find the range of motion. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, it could be old injuries that we had when we were younger creeping up with us as we get a bit older. Yeah. They could also be the cause of an injury. So what are some strategies that people can put into tra- like to tr- help them train while they're rehabbing an injury and getting back into it? So once you've got your advice around what you should and shouldn't do mm-hmm. as far as your, your injury, yep. whether it be traumatic or non-traumatic, whatever you're recovering from. Yeah. Once you've got some advice about what you should or shouldn't do, you've got to find a gym that's willing to work with you on those issues. Yeah, yeah. So you're yeah. going to have to modify. You're going to have to modify. You're going to have to be okay with modifying. So you can't just go hell for leather and redline the body the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want, to hope, you want to hope your coach is okay with you modifying. Yep. So you've got to find yourself in – you've got to put yourself in an environment where it enables you to keep that journey going. Mm-hmm. You can't just pick up – You've had eight weeks off. You can't just pick up where you left off. Yeah. So you set yourself some goals. Or for example, you guys, you know, if, if someone's gone and seen you or an, any allied health professional and they've said, yeah, you're good to go back and train, I just want you to be careful, you know, with your overhead work and do do all your overhead pressing really slowly. Yep. No, no fast stuff, right? Could be, yeah, tempo yep. work. Could be strict work. Could yep. be, yeah. Only limiting how frequently you visit yep. the movement. Go there once a week as opposed yep. to four times a week. And so you want to be able to modify that, go in and there and go say to your coach, hey, I need to do these slower movements. My, you know, I can go overhead, but it's only strict press with dumbbells or yep. something like that, yep. right? Yeah, I Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, I guess part of that strategy is having some effective communication there. Yep. So figuring out what movements are going to aggravate the issue mm-hmm. and then working around those issues. Yep. So using, you mentioned before dumbbells, using dumbbells and kettlebells as opposed to barbells mm-hmm. is really good for shoulders, for example, because yep. you can move a dumbbell and a kettlebell to suit yes. the yep. shoulder. Yes. Yeah. You can't move, your body has to move to suit the barbell. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a really good one. Limiting how often we visit aggravating movements mm-hmm. is another good one. Forming isometrics or tempo work or keeping things strict is also what a about way we can do. This one, this is one I uh, I get a lot, is someone might have a shoulder injury, yep. for example, or a leg injury. Yep. Cool. And they have to avoid work on that limb, but they still want to come in and train every day. So they're like, I can't do anything on my shoulders, so I want to do legs every day. Yeah. It's doable but now you've opened the door for another overuse exactly right capacity issue yeah so so part of that strategy would be keeping in mind use of the other limbs right yep so if you're only used to going or doing legs once or twice a week and now you're suddenly doing it four times a week yeah it's only so long that you'll be able to do that before another niggle creeps in yeah and we're saying before like that overuse can sometimes you could be doing the technique correctly Mm but you're just doing too much on that joint. Yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you know, there's only so many times you can turn up and do squat sit-ups and, and uh, you know, box jumps yep. before something starts to give out there, right? Yeah. So part of that strategy might be 
that perhaps finding maybe a lower impact exercise that we can do. So whether that might be going to the pool and hitting a kickboard session or jumping on a bike and doing a, doing a bike session, you know, every second day or something like that, just to lower a bit of that impact. Right. Yeah. These are for people that are wanting to work around something, Mm -hmm. which is a lot better. Yeah. In my opinion, for us to work around an injury as opposed to A, trying to push through it. Yeah. Or B, just sitting and, and waiting. Yes. For yeah. it to heal. Which I suppose is the, if we go back, you know, 20, 30 years, that was the traditional model is stop what you're doing. Wait two months. Yeah. And then go again. Yeah. And which then we also, because people will try and pick up where they left off. Yeah. And yeah. then now you open the door, oh, well, I was fine. And then I went back to training and. I hurt myself. Yeah, but you've also in that time off, you've lost capacity. In you've other lost areas. capacity. You've lost strength. You've yep. lost. Obviously, you're still rehabbing from an injury. So yeah, there's lots of factors to consider. So working around an issue where you can still load tissues in a non-aggravating way mm-hmm. is is by far the best part. One more question: When should you like speaking of uh, stop and uh, step away? When should you keep away from the gym? Like, what's a scenario? where it's just not working well if the injury is severe enough mm-hmm. yeah so if the injury is is real bad then yeah there's and they can't do any compound movement without aggravating the issue mm-hmm. then that's a time where you can stay away from the gym so an example that might be you've got neck and back disc herniations or anytime you load your spine or yep. you've got nerve radiculopathy that that's a really cool word what is nerve radic what is it? Radiculopathy. That sounds like a Harry got, Potter term. Yeah. <laughs> Where you got pain down the leg. Yep. yep. You got nerve pain coming from, say, your back. Yep. Yep. Down the leg. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. Or somewhere is causing nerves to be compressed and cause pain down the limb. That gets aggravated when you weight bear, for example. Yep. Um, that's, a, that's a time. If your gym or your environment that you go to doesn't have the capacity for you to work around mm. your injury. I've, yeah, I've seen that or heard that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the only option for you is to push through it. It's a time where you need to find yourself a, a different environment mm-hmm. so you can mm-hmm. keep your recovery going and then either come back to that when you're ready. Yeah. So, for example, if uh, you know some gyms have a very big competition focus or something like yep. that where it's like, no, you have to – do the workout as prescribed. You yep. can't change it and modify it. You have to do it this way. Yeah, it's going to lead to long term. You're just going to. You're never going to get better. Yep. So it's, it's best to remove yourself from that environment. Mm-hmm. Or if you personally, if the if the patient doesn't have that restraint. Yes, I should say yep. it's quite common. Not only like, and this is across the board in, in fitness. Yeah, in training, people yes. just push through things. They can't just show up to something and say, "Oh, it was on my program," or if it was on there. And they can't just go light or they can't do less reps or they can't yeah. do – they feel like they can't dial it back. Or I, I know some people will have every intention yeah. of doing it differently and, you know, they've got a plan, they've got everything set up, ready for them to go and then they get there and then they just get caught up in the moment and – And off they go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's only – you only know – you'll only learn that patient will only learn that after yep. maybe two or three aggravations like yep. oh, I was going really good and I went to the gym and I just I went too hard yep yeah and I saw again yeah so obviously like first step is like don't remove yourself try and do everything within your power to work around it yeah like we want to stay in that environment 100% because 
like we mentioned before, if we drop out, then we're losing capacity somewhere else. So we're sort of setting up potential injuries later on. Yep. But uh, also part of that rehab process we also mentioned earlier on is loading those tissues and regaining that, rebuilding that capacity in a controlled function. Yep. Or you can use your injury to your benefit. Yes. To make you more resilient in the future. Mm -hmm. So by doing as we spoke right at the start about your the smaller muscle groups or the mm-hmm. joint range of motion or the, whatever the yeah. the causes that you've found out from the ther- your therapist using that injury to yeah. resolve those issues yes which makes you less likely to get injured in the future yes yeah. so you can do the exercises from your therapist whilst working around the issue in your gym you'll end up being more resilient or more bulletproof once you recover yep. and what you were at the start. Yeah, because so, so for example, you might have had some tight shoulders, which are part of that problem. Part of that rehab is, you know, getting you to work into some uncomfortable areas, regaining some of that missing function. So, you know, whether it's external rotation or, you know, what whatever some scapular movements, that sort of thing. Yep. And so by the time you fix the injury, you've also got a greater range of motion there. So you actually come out as a better athlete. Yes. Yeah, yep, 100%. I, I think that's really cool. I do hear a lot of people, they talk about like the whole silver lining thing. Oh, you know, if you injure your shoulder, great time to get your squat stronger. I much prefer this idea as like you've hurt your shoulder, great time to get your shoulder more flexible and get some more stability and more function in there, right? Yeah, depending on how it happened, but yeah, you can fix why it happened. Yeah, and so you come out a better athlete rather than you just come back as the same athlete just without the injury. Yep. But the underlying dysfunction that created the injury is still there. Yes. And that's most commonly what we see in non-traumatic injuries. It's it's there's always a there's always a cause. Yeah. Yeah. If we fell off our bike and landed on our shoulder, obviously there may have been an issue there, but yeah. the primary issue was the trauma. You're terrible on a bike. That's yeah, the problem. Just right? don't hop on a bike. <laughs> Get better. Yeah. Don't fall off. <laughs> So that was the underlying issue. Then now you've just got to make sure that when you do go back, you've sorted out all the issues that was resulting from the trauma. All right, we might uh, leave it there. Injuries are such a broad topic. You keep going for ages. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I'd love to get you back on sometime and we could delve in a little bit more deeper on us, some more specific stuff. Yep, thanks, thanks for your time, Pete. Thank you. Thanks for having me.